So let's look at the word awesome. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> it means awe-inspiring. Like mm-hmm. a sunset is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, my lunch wasn't that. Welcome to episode 19 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you may be asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, Chief Bottle Washer at Apropingo, a London-based content marketing agency and founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at rockstarcmo on Twitter and LinkedIn. And although I don't claim to be a Rockstar CMO, I just run this little thing. You can find me by putting Ian, Rockstar CMO, into your favorite search engine. This episode is recorded on Friday the 17th of July. I hope you had a good week and you're staying safe, well and sane. I really appreciate you spending some time with us here. I say us because I'm joined by two super guests that I think you're going to enjoy this week. Emily Binder is the Chief Strategist of Beetle Moments Marketing, a voice-first consultancy. I believe voice is our future, but I can't claim any expertise, so the chat with Emily was really fascinating. Not just about voice, but we really got some good insight from her marketing career, which is kind of why we do this. I'm again joined by my generous and kind friend and content marketing mentor, Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker at The Content Advisory, as he suggests a cocktail to get our weekends going and one marketing thought we might consider while we sit. But first, I'll take a flick through the pages of Rockstar CMO and suggest one of the many wonderful articles that I think you should take a look at. Let's get started, shall we? This week, I'm dipping into our Tales from the Tour Bus series and going back to an interview with Richard Shotton, author of The Choice Factory. I have a mild marketing book buying problem, a huge respect for those that can apply themselves to writing a book. I love a book recommendation and always have a pile waiting to be read and an Amazon shopping basket waiting to be ordered. Suffice to say, I really enjoy a good marketing book. And if you ask me to pick a favourite, it's tough, as it's normally the last one I read. But The Choice Factory was one that stands out from what I read last year. In the book, Richard takes us through 25 behavioural biases that guide consumers based on applying behavioural science to marketing. And I'm no academic and definitely at the Seth Godin early learning for the easily distracted spectrum of marketing readers. But it's a really fascinating read with examples and tips that bring the science to life. As Richard shares in his interview with me, the book was born out of frustration that there were lots of books describing psychological experiments, but few applying those findings to commercial problems. And he really nails that as he gives examples of the bias and how you might work with it as a marketer. You get a flavour of the book in the interview where Richard discusses how we like brands that have flaws, called the pratfall effect. He cites successful past campaigns by Guinness, good things that come to those who wait, and Volkswagen's ugly is only skin deep. But despite the behavioural science and the success of these authentic campaigns, they're very hard for marketers and agencies to do, as it requires trust in the science in the organisation or client, and for us to go against what's established and safe, which plays to our fear of failing. It's really interesting. I really enjoyed uh, the book and uh, and chatting to to Richard. And aside from talking about the book, the interview also goes backstage on how he developed the book, how he formed his consultancy and what he learned along the way. And it's a really good, candid story, which is what we love here on Rockstar CMO. The book is called The Choice Factory by Richard Shotton, and you can find the interview on rockstarcmo.com under Tales from the Tour Bus. But of course, I will include a link to both the book 
and the interview in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. Right, time for our interview. Emily Binder is an entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Beetle Moment Marketing, a voice-first consultancy. Applying over a decade of experience as a quarterback for dozens of successful marketing initiatives from startups to Fortune 500 brands, Emily helps her clients stay relevant and succeed with emerging technology. Like I say, I was fascinated with the topic of voice. Enjoy Emily's interesting technology, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Emily, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Doing great, Ian. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us here. You're welcome. Um, So for people that don't know exactly who you are, and I've given a little intro, obviously, before we started chatting, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I am a marketing strategist and consultant. I specialize in voice technology and voice marketing. And... I help my clients establish a strong presence on voice, among other things. Mm, and, and that's what I was interested about. And that's why I was really keen to chat to you. Um, but we'll get onto that in a moment. But what inspired you to get into marketing in the first place? Well, I was a psychology major and I actually thought I would end up going to grad school and becoming a a psychologist. But Mm -hmm. before that all happened, I sort of fell into marketing by accident and, This was after college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I met this woman who actually interviewed me to be her nanny. And she said, I'm not going to hire you because you're too bright and educated and this won't last. And uh, six or seven months later, she called me back and said, I don't know if you remember me, but if you're still looking for a job, I'm the CMO at an entertainment company and I need an assistant, like a marketing entry level person. And I said, yeah, that's great that's much better than what I'm doing now. Cause I, I did do some nannying for a little while, wow. which is great when you're in your early twenties. Um, mm. so I went and it was such a cool opportunity. Long story short, I ended up getting to run the social media campaign for expedition Titanic, which was the dive to the Titanic wreck site in 2010. Wow. So we were publishing all of the footage coming off the boat and, you know, three miles under the ocean, like the, the, what were they called? Automatic AUVs, ROVs, these roving. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like Nat Geo and history channel and NBC yeah. and Woods Hole and all this oceanography slash the Titanic fanatics. So we had different audiences. You had the people that were kind of into the the historic facts and, and fascination with the Titanic. And then there was like the oceanography community. So anyway, mm-hmm. I got to publish all of that and set up their social media to share the information from the dive. And that was really cool. It was an entertainment company. We also had bodies, the exhibition and dialogue in the dark and all of these kind of global touring shows, which social media was nascent at that time. And I really, it was cool because at that time, so many people didn't realize the power of it. Oh, it's fine. Like have the junior marketing person tweet for it. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I was good at it and it worked and it was it was very successful for them. And then I ended up just working for other brands after that and yeah. getting into it. What a great start. And and many people, many marketers that I talk, talk to have got um, a very different background to, to where they ended up. And, uh, but I think um, it sounds like you're, you're a natural from the start and, and well spotted that CMO by the sounds of things. Um, but uh, also I was looking through your career and um 
And you were, you were working for a rental car company. That's quite a different thing, isn't it, from that fascination of the Titanic to, to rental cars? Yeah, completely different. So I've actually worked in all different kinds of categories. There hasn't yeah. been a theme along any of them, really. So the rental car company was one of the the world's largest. And <laughs> I was I was in charge of marketing for all of the licensee locations in seven states. So I was actually the only marketing person for this group that was the largest franchise group kind of holding company within the larger organizations. We were, we were the franchisee and I had, I think it was 65 different rental counters throughout all these States, including airports, including the Atlanta airport, which is the busiest. Yeah. And did all the marketing with traditional digital, everything strategy, running it, uh, finding the agencies, hiring them, managing them. And I was in over my head. I was like 24 when I got right. this level of responsibility, but learned so much. It was, a it was a real growth opportunity. And the other thing though, is that the company was very old school. So when mm-hmm. I got there, 75% of the marketing budget was still in the print yellow pages. And this was in 2011. It was wow. like, I mean, by then we, we had the internet. So yeah, yeah. I, I was able to convince people that digital was the way to go and ended up kind of flipping everything from the yellow pages to Facebook, so to speak, mm-hmm. and made them a lot of money, saved them a lot of money, learned a lot. And then I kind of moved on from there and worked on some other companies and different brands, including telecom and home reviews and ultimately ended up at the point where I felt like I'd cut my teeth enough and I went out on my own mm-hmm. about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I w- there's two things I want to say. One, one of those things is um, you, you're talking about being in, a, in over your head. And I think a lot of people have found um, that experience to, to be where they grew. Is, would, would, you, would you give people advice on, don't worry about it, go for it, you know, be in over your head and, and off you go? A hundred percent. And especially for women, because women tend to think I'm not qualified. I better not try it. I don't want to mess up or let anyone down. And men, if you, there's studies on this, they're much more likely to do that reach goal, like go for the promotion. They're not quite qualified for. And, you know, 90% of resumes contain lies. Everybody is putting this foot forward that might not be quite accurate to their background. And we all know that it's about attitude more than it is experience. Like attitude is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I'm not going to just plug the next issue of Rockstar CMO, but one of the things we're talking about there that I've been talking to some of the other CMOs um, that we talked to about marketing education, how important that is uh, when they're hiring uh, or, you know, when they're, when they're in their own careers. And I'm finding that many of them are saying attitude and attitude and flexibility and agility are the more important um, characteristics they're looking for in marketers. Certainly. It's, yeah. it's very important to have those. And in some ways that's like, um, a throwback because yeah. we gotten so focused on tactics and yeah. skill sets and tools and in doing so, and in putting that value on people who have those tactical skills, a lot of the time it's, can you use this CRM? Yeah. That person may not have the foundational education and understanding of brand and yeah. marketing. Yeah. That's the average, you know, Middle um, management marketing person define marketing. Define yeah. it. What are you're, you're, you're inviting me down a rabbit hole. I would gladly explore <laughs> about execution marketers and, pe- and and marketers that are just on that 
on that hamster wheel of just producing stuff and and, and doing what the uh, marketing automation tools tell them to do. But I want to get back to you <laughs> and not my hobby horses. But um, your agency, and I think this is delightful, is called um, Beetle Moment. Um, tell us a bit about where that name comes from. Well, as I mentioned, I was a psychology major and my favorite psychologist is, well, he's actually a psychiatrist, Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychiatrist who is the father of ideas like archetypes and the importance of dreams and the collective unconscious. And so I was reading all about him and came across this one story. It was him telling about this patient that he had. It was a woman and she was very rational, logical, academic, very difficult to reach from a therapeutic standpoint. And he was trying to kind of crack open her third eye doing all these different um, tactics to do that, but nothing was working. And so at this one point she was lying down on the couch or laying down on the couch and closed her eyes and she's telling him about the dream she had the other night. And she says, so in this dream, my husband handed me uh, a piece of jewelry. It was a golden scarab. And right as she described it, it was green, gold, glistening. There was the tapping sound on the window. And so Dr. Jung looked and saw this little insect kind of trying to get inside. And he opened the window and, and grabbed it from the outside, brought it back in and said to her, open your eyes and handed her a scarabied beetle that was just the same as what she had described from her dream. He said, here's your beetle. And this really, it cracked open that eye for her and opened her up to new possibilities and a greater meaning and a connection with the universe and herself. So that is a moment where it's, it's more than just a coincidence. Like there's something bigger going on and it's a moment of true synchronicity. And I read that story and I started saying, Oh, that was a beetle moment in my own life when I would have these moments. And when it came time to name my business, I actually spent way too long trying to figure out what to name it. And it could have been deducting costs and having an LLC probably for an additional six months if I hadn't just wrestled with what am I going to name my amazing company? Um, So I wanted it to have an animal. I wanted it to be something that hadn't been taken before and I could just dominate search results and have no confusion over my name. Yeah. And it checked all those boxes. Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I, um, I, I, it's a fantastic story. And I, I should add to um, my questions I ask other podcast um, interviewees is who their favorite psychologist is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that before. But that's that. I love that story and, and the background and um, the 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 education that you must have having come from psychology into marketing must be, must be priceless. Absolutely. I'm so glad I didn't study marketing. In fact, I think that anytime somebody gets a degree or a certification in social media, it's BS. You can't get certified in that. You have to do it. You have to Maybe if you have somebody teaching you who's kind of experienced, but I mean, in a classroom setting, I don't think so. Yeah. That's, that's some of the feedback I've been hearing when we talk about marketing education. It's very hard for those courses to stay current. (laughs) And and as soon as you've passed, it's out of date. Completely. And this goes back to having foundations and understanding what should messaging be. It's not how do I exactly use TikTok? It's what is the message? (laughs) How do you exactly use TikTok? (laughs) I I do not have that app on my phone. I'm not letting the Chinese spy on me. No, thank you. (laughs) I I think the Chinese spying on me is the least of my problems if I was to go on TikTok. (laughs) 
<laughs> nobody wants to see my moves but um <laughs> uh so but you mentioned that your agency focuses on voice marketing which i which i think is is really interesting um and i was having this conversation with um one of the podcast guests that that's on here regularly for his podcast called a, a chap called robert rose who you may be familiar with and and we were talking about um search results and the importance of the current search experience and i'm thinking well that's going to be all rubbish because soon it's all going to be about voice. So, um, and you described it, and I love this, the most profound shift since the computer age began. Tell us a bit about that. It is because this is the first time in the history of computing that we are using the human API, which is our voice. There is no learning curve. It's universally accessible. Anybody can use their voice. And for decades, we've been in this tap, type, and swipe era. We've had the screens and the GUI and ones and zeros and computing in computerese. Voice makes the computers go into a human language that we can all use. And the fact that it's hands-free and convenient and allows us to multitask makes it the ultimate ubiquitous computing, which is Mm -hmm. the ultimate convenience. And, you know, reduce friction, reduce hassle. People will always go toward the technology that does that. We've seen, yeah. we've seen with voice, with the introduction of the smart speaker, which is the smart speaker is the training wheels of voice. The, mm-hmm. the key here is not, oh, the Echo, it's Alexa. It's, mm-hmm. it's the AI that powers the smart speaker or whatever other voice-enabled device. And that's why we've seen smart speakers adopted faster than any other consumer technology of all time. It hit mm-hmm. 50% penetration in the U.S. faster and in fewer years than radio, television, computer, smartphone, you know, faster than the iPhone was adopted, these smart speakers. They're they're becoming embedded in our lives. And it's just the beginning. Yeah, they certainly are. And and that's why I think it's so fascinating. And um, there was actually a story a friend of mine told that uh, they, they were you know before we were locked down do you remember when we used to all get around each other's houses and have these things called parties and stuff um but they um uh, a little boy uh for of an, a couple of, from a couple that's their friends walked into the house and told alexa what to do immediately because that's what he's used to doing in his own house and and was confused why uh, the music wasn't changing you know so <laughs> we're you know that the, the we're growing up with these things aren't we as kids and stuff and we're learning how to talk to them Right. So they call it generation voice. We have, mm-hmm. we have millennials, which I'm, I'm an elder millennial mm-hmm. and then there's Gen Z. And then there's this next generation, which is voice like kids that are maybe three years old right now. They've yeah. grown up with voice and that's, that's even different from being a digital native because yeah. their first, this is the whole thing of hashtag voice first, their first interaction with the yeah. tech is through their voice. Yeah. Like it's not typing like I had. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my youngest daughter, if you ask her a question, she'll ask her, her um, phone. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it is exactly like that. Yeah. And, and, but the, I mean, you're not just talking about this theoretically, you're working with clients on this stuff. And, and what are, what are your clients seeing by embracing this technology? Well, there are ways that you could look at it in the sense of branding and then also in actual ROI. So from a branding perspective, there are so many benefits being early, being first in your industry or category, like with 
Josh Brown and Ritholtz Wealth Management, one of my clients that I worked with early on in doing all of this voice stuff, mm-hmm. we launched a couple Alexa skills for them, Market Moments, a flash briefing. The other one was the Compound Show, which is a podcast and also a custom skill. Mm-hmm. And just by being first in their industry, which was something they had done before with blogging and social media 10, 12 years ago, they were early to that and still yeah. dominate those platforms. They they're at the top of search results for anything that you're looking for on Amazon related to these skills with terms like stock market, investing, finance. Wow. Amazon's the third largest search engine in the world. If you right. think Google and YouTube combine them, they're under alphabet. You could say Amazon's the second largest because it's a separate yeah. company. Yeah. So you're ranking on the biggest mall on earth. Mm-hmm. And this is just the beginning of where these skills are going. Like how is Amazon going to really create an ecosystem and monetize these? We don't even know yet, but it's a, right. it's important to be there early. So that's one example. And then from a branding perspective, I have other clients that aren't as famous as Josh, but they've been able to create, we've launched mini podcasts for them. We've launched flash briefings. We've done voice experiences, Google actions, Alexa skills that they can go to their clients or customers and say, we have this great voice experience, hands-free, germ-free, and we've got updates for you. And there's a, an amazing connection because in the brain, we process sound in the same area where we store memory and music and emotion. And so by reaching somebody, this is why podcasting is so effective. You feel like you have a true relationship with that person. It's in an emotional center of the brain. They're able to reach those customers or clients on a daily basis or however often and build a long-term relationship that engenders trust, that engenders loyalty. And then you grow share of wallet or you have better retention. God, that's so interesting. Um, I completely agree. I mean, when you're reading a book, you get complete, completely immersed in the voice of the author. But when you're listening to a podcast, absolutely, you feel like you know the person. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. And you get, and, and that's what hooks you in, right? And then when a podcast finishes, it's like you've lost something out of your life, isn't it? It's not like when a book finishes and mm-hmm. you're done. That's, that's really interesting about how brands can really penetrate. From a brand perspective and, and thinking about Alexa, I mean, you've thought about this so deeply, I feel very crude about saying this, but do you think this is going to restore the old um, practices of like, we now need to educate our audience about our brand. So they ask for our brand rather than ask for a generic, you know, so for example, you know, if I was to say to Alexa, I need some black trainers or sneakers, as you would say, then it's going to offer me a plethora of choices. But what Adidas are going to want or Adidas are going to want me to say is, um, I need black Adidas trainers and then, uh, then, uh, then it will respond. Is, do, you, do you see that? That's such a great question, Ian, because what we'll get to is either a point where people have that brand affinity and ask for the Nikes or they just start to trust the AI assistant who, yeah. which <laughs> within a couple of years, that is triangulating all your data, your entire digital yeah. footprint. I mean, bringing in your credit card purchases and they'll just, rec- the, let's say it's yeah. Alexa, they'll recommend you, you should get the, the Pumas actually. Yeah. So this is the question for brands. Should I consider this channel of voice as a place where ultimately I want to be recommended? And perhaps I may, I may need to pay for that just like with paid search, yeah. but I mean, voice is not headed in that direction yet. It might mm-hmm. for now, the best thing to do is to at least establish a presence. And that's, it's like claiming your organic presence, your brand name. 
I think that you have to look at voice as an additional channel. It's not a silo. It has to work in concert with everything else that you're doing. So there is an education component. If you have a voice experience, like it's a skill or an action, I mean, those are the main ones we're talking about at this point. You do need to educate people. I mean, whether that's letting them know on social media or other channels, hey, check out our voice experience, but you need to add value there, like make it worth their while. What's special about it? What can I get there on your Alexa skill that I can't get on your Facebook page? Yeah. I mean, I just, um, thinking about it for this, for this, just for this podcast, the amount of times, uh, if you listen to the whole thing that I have to say, go to rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast or search for this person here. And, you know, here's Emily's details. They're here. If we just said, uh, just ask Alexa for Rockstar CMO and it will give you all the details. Then, you know, that's going to be way easier, right? Yes. And after we finish recording, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to tell you about a way that you can do that. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited. And, I, yeah. and I'm glad we're not sharing it with the world. It's That's a secret great. for now, but you can reach out to me if you want to get in on this early. <laughs> but I thank you very much. And I love the fact that your clients are seeing this, this benefit. And I also like that idea that it's like this early adopter, you know, and, and so many, you know, I bet there are a lot of marketers that look back at some of the opportunities we've had in social media and, and, and all sorts of things that they've missed the boat on them. So you would encourage people to really get on board with this. Oh, yesterday, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But aside from voice, um, I also see from looking at your podcast that video is something that you embrace as well. Um, and I, what I thought was really interesting, and remind me who you were talking to, that, that guy that discusses um, investment information on Twitch. Oh, yes. Wall Street Booyah. Wall Street Booyah. Yeah, I think probably I was just too shy to say it because I don't sound as cool as you. But um, <laughs> that was really interesting in the way that, he was he he was on a channel that some might find incongruous to the topic, but clearly he was finding an audience. Is that something? I mean, I've mashed up a load of things in there, but so your passion for video and this idea that we should just consider other channels where other people aren't for our work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So video, <laughs> that's okay. So video is so important. I know I'm the voice lady, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to discount how important it is to have video out there, and and you don't need such high production value that it becomes prohibitive. It's better done is better than perfect. Just get something out there. And actually, obviously the more authentic you are right now, the Mm. better anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Um, Just get some video out as long as it's additive. I wouldn't do it just to do it. Make, make a statement, say something that helps people or matters. Twitch is cool because so wall street booyah, he's, he's anonymous a of all. He's a, mm-hmm. he calls himself a scruff bat millennial um, <laughs> idiot. That's in his bio. He calls himself that. And uh-huh. he, has, he has over 6,000 followers. Last I checked, it might be more on Twitch. He streams yeah. all day. I have a podcast. It's on beetlemoment.com slash podcast. You can go listen and watch mm-hmm. the whole video with him. He wears a mask and he just comments on the market during the hours. The market is open Monday through Friday and there's a live chat going. He brings in video and stock charts and he'll have like here we're watching jerome powell we're watching cnbc we're commenting on this it's it's very entertaining it's yeah. hours will fly by you might like lose your whole work day just watching this <laughs> i was fortunate that i didn't quite sink into it that much but it certainly got me to take a look at twitch and consider twitch in a different way um as a marketer than i than i had before and i and i think that's you know, that particular podcast episode I thought was really, really clever in that respect that we need to consider these other platforms. Um, 
And I was so so that was that's fantastic. And I also um, wanted to we've kind of covered this because I was going to ask you about the Alexa skill um, because you've created that, haven't you, for your own podcast and and how that experience was. But I don't. I now know. I'm not going to ask you how you did it, but um, how's that worked for you? Well, it's just gotten started, actually. I only released it probably about a month ago. I'm still working on some features and adding to it, but the Beatle moment skill and action is available on Alexa and Google, and, and you can find links to that if you need at beetlemoment.com slash podcast. So it does it does some cool stuff. It has indexed all of my past episodes. So you don't have to remember the name of the guest or the number episode. You can say, Oh, Hey Alexa, play that episode when Emily interviewed the lady who was talking about branding and Kodak and naming it it because we've indexed it. So this gets to that, that really powerful place where you can, you can see inklings of this happening with Spotify, even Pandora Mm -hmm. and Apple podcasts, having that voice search by keyword and, accessing the entire library of past content. Um, that's, that's functionality wise, but as far as building it, yes, I can't, I can't go into detail right mm-hmm. now about how I did it, but I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody is curious, reach out and I can, I can yeah, give somebody yeah. a, like a one-on-one yeah. insight into that. It was very easy. I'll tell you that essentially <laughs> it's, it's as complicated as it is to set up a WordPress site using the tool that I have access wow. to. That's yeah. Very, very cool. And, um, I also I love I love that idea I, it, it, of being able to index um, all your podcast episodes and and that lady that said that thing oh that'd be that, I mean I'd use it myself <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd mind whether anybody else used it that would be so no <laughs> for your own exactly <laughs> well um, I'm going to come to our final question um, I'm enjoying the conversation hugely and I could just chat to you all afternoon and um, but um, as I we discussed uh, before we started recording was um, we have um, a rockstar CMO swimming pool which is our portal to hell for all the bullshit snake hole and all that we think is wrong with marketing we're a mar- marketing podcast after all what would you throw in that? This is about language. So mm-hmm. I think that the misuse of words and, and the hyperbole that is common <laughs> among our entire society, but also among marketers is just bad. It's yeah. so let's look at the word awesome. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> it means awe-inspiring. Like mm-hmm. a sunset is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, my lunch wasn't that awesome. It's not. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, epic. Just stop yeah. with awesome and epic. Stop with those in particular in yeah. any kind of marketing copy. It just, it has lost meaning because they've been mm-hmm. so overused to describe the absolutely mediocre and mundane and mm-hmm. words, words are so important. It's everything mm-hmm. in messaging and branding. It's, it's like crying wolf every day. No one will believe you when there's really something awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that hyperbole goes, I mean, awesome is just the tip of the iceberg there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would um, I would say that uh, Americans have got lots to answer for with the misuse of the word awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just cultural at this point. Like this is the lexicon, and you can't you yeah. can't hate on it too much because that's what happens. Language it always evolves. Yeah, but I mean yeah, yeah, for sure. uh, those in the unprecedented times, please please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's let's never say that again. Yeah, I think um, I I would love it if our rock star CMO swimming pool actually worked but we've chucked loads of things in there and they keep coming back and I'm afraid I think unprecedented time seems to be one that's sticking with us for a bit (laughs) all right so um and well uh yes uh aside from asking Alexa which I assume people can do um if people want to spin the dial on the interwebs where would they find you 
emilybender.com is mm-hmm. the home of my blog, my multiple podcasts, my speaking page. You can watch my speaker reel. I do speaking, including virtual speaking. If you have mm-hmm. an event coming up, check that out at emilybender.com. Mm-hmm. And then my consultancy is beetlemoment.com. My podcast there, my daily flash briefing called Voice Marketing with Emily Bender, everything is available at those sites. And I would encourage you to check out the flash briefing. I do it every day. It's under three minutes long. It's called Voice Marketing with Emily Bender. It's an Alexa briefing and it's a mini podcast. Mm -hmm. And in under three minutes, I give insights, news, tips about all things marketing. Usually there's a voice component, but sometimes it's just general branding discussion. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed following you. I I haven't been listening to every daily briefing, but you you do put out some great stuff. I also think I like the uh, tips as we were discussing before about some of the kit you use, the way you're set up for video, that kind of stuff. So um, I would encourage people to take a look at your stuff. It's, it's very useful. Thank you oh, very much. Yes, yes. The YouTube channel is yeah. youtube.com slash Emily Bender. I forgot that one. <laughs> but there you go. There that's you the go. podcasting kit you're mentioning. I think that's probably yeah. the most helpful thing I've put out. It's just yeah. simple. Like, What do you need to do? Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a pleasure. And it's nice to, um, nice to catch up with you, Emily. And um, I look forward to talking to you again. Oh, thanks, Ian. Had a blast. Yeah, thanks for your time. Cheers. Thank you, Emily. I will, of course, be sharing all the links that we referred to, plus Emily's website and social media links in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. Although I guess in the light of what we've just heard, we might find it easier just to ask Alexa or Siri. Well, here in London, it's the time of the week. It's Friday and it's time to unwind. And what better way than with a cocktail and a reflection on the week? And who better to guide us than my friend Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker at the Content Advisory and host of two of my favourite podcasts. Follow me to the Rockstar CEO Virtual Bar. Let's go see if he's there. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, my friend, I have something really cool for you this week. Well, actually, I should say I have something really warm for you this week because it's one of those drinks that makes your insides just all warm and fuzzy. Uh, and it's this thing that we're calling the whiskey martini. Um, and it's a beautiful Japanese, actually, Yamazaki Distillers Reserve Whiskey um, with uh, Kochi Vermouth, which is an Italian vermouth, Cochi uh, Vermouth di Torino, and mix those things together, uh, and it's just a delightful drink to have on a chilly or a rainy day. Oh, that sounds that sounds really good. That sounds really good. Now, again, as is our tradition, I will attempt to make it from my from my bar, which has been pointed out to me as slightly limited. But here we go. Um, I have now. This is going to be quite warming. I have Hendrix gin. Oh, that's warm, right. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, sounds yeah, like a fresh open right there. Yeah, that's that's and then um, it sounds like quite an alcoholic drink you got there. So a decent slug of that, do you think? I uh, yeah, I think you're going to want to give yourself a good portion of that. Yeah, yeah, splendid. Um, I don't think you put ice in that, did you? I did not. No, there's no ice in this drink at all. Oh, oh, oh dear! I've just put ice in mine. Um, and then um, and then uh, the the vermouth. You know I've got tonic, right? I do. And 
It's, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's give this a go. I, I, I do like a martini. I feel terrible about this. But anyway, I'll, I'll try it. Oh, that's very nice, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and the, um, I didn't quite get the, the heavy alcohol and no, the warming. You wouldn't, uh, actually. But, yeah. but I, could, I could definitely drink a few of these. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, we're, and we're, we're going to be warming ourselves around this. Where, where would we be doing that? Well, actually, I thought, you know, it would be fun to have this. I, you know, recently, and, and because of lockdown and everything, I haven't been able to travel very far. But, you know, last year I got the pleasure of spending some time in Tokyo. And, you know, Ooh. it's just the coolest city. You know, I mean, you sort of, the first thing you always want to do in Tokyo is, you know, go out on a misty day and, you know, where it's all rainy and sort of take pictures of downtown Tokyo to get mm-hmm. your Blade Runner shot, right? You know, <laughs> a little, yeah. like Blade Runner. But, you know, the uh, Tokyo is such a peaceful city, I find. Um, even the size of it, even, or I should say, even despite the size of it, you know, yeah. it's very quiet. It's very, it's it's a very peaceful city, I find. And and so yeah. one of the things that I, I really relished was sitting inside a, uh, a small little sort of high-end restaurant bar Having one of these uh, on a misty, rainy evening in Tokyo, and mm-hmm. just look, watching outside as sort of the world goes by, and it's just a wow. just a very wow. for me, it's a very peaceful sort of setting. Wow, and, and playing out your Blade Runner fantasies. Yeah, exactly. Well, it yeah. does do that too. I, if yeah. I am completely honest, it it absolutely satisfies that itch. Oh, it sounds fantastic. And um, <laughs> I've 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 never been to Japan. I, I think it sounds uh, it's it sounds splendid. It's on, it's on the list for sure. I, I think the um, it's one of those places on the planet that's still very different, isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. And, 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 you know, I mean, it certainly has its Western influences now, but you know, the, 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 I, I, I love Tokyo only because it's the, you know, I mean, first of all, the food is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and secondly, you know, it's just a, a wonderful place to just hang out. Um, especially, you, you know, if you're doing business there for any length of time. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a quick hop across the Pacific yeah, for you, exactly it? for for each of us, right? It's yeah, it's a long way to go for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. And that that just sounds that just sounds fantastic. And I forgot to um, ask you again what the drink was called. Uh, the drink is the whiskey martini. It's just a very simple thing. Yeah, it's very nice. And um, we hopefully uh, I've uh, you allow me to join you at this bar in this moment of contemplation, uh, and you allow me to break into your. Blade Runner daydream. Um, what what would we talk about? What would we be talking about while we while we take a sip of these? Well, maybe we would be talking about this thing that we've been seems like we've been talking about in B two B marketing for I don't know twenty years, which is the value of gated content. And, and, oh, and this is a good one. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that seems to never die. And and I, you know, is one of those things where I get a question on this at least once a month on, you know, sort of my, you know, helping to settle a bet or helping to settle a dispute, mm-hmm. helping to settle the disagreement between sales and marketing. I would mm-hmm. get something that says gate or ungate. And of course yeah. the answer isn't nearly as simple. Although I, you know, put the caveat and the star in here with GDPR and CCPA, it's becoming a yeah. lot clearer um, mm-hmm. which side we should lean on. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it's never that clear, right? The idea is is that you know there is there is a, a lot of middle between gating and ungating, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. you know there's a strategy we can start to employ that says, look, if we're trying to build an audience, then gating yeah. content is not the way to do that because yeah. never an audience member was built by asking people their data, you know, for their data before they get what they want. Yeah, and yeah. you know, as I always say. When you subscribe to content, when you're creating a subscriber and people subscribe, when you subscribe as a consumer, you're not subscribing to the thing that you got. You know, when you go to a magazine stand or someone hands you mm-hmm. a book, something like that, and you go, "Wow, I really like this content," I'm yeah. going to subscribe to it. You're not subscribing to what you got. You're subscribing to the promise of what you're going to get, the future. Yeah. And if we realize that, then it becomes a little clearer about when we should and when we shouldn't actually ask for data in transaction for some piece of content. Hmm. Yeah, that's. If we were genuinely sitting in that bar, I would switch to beer because I couldn't. I couldn't have this discussion over the period it would take while drinking martinis because I would be dead. (laughs) Um, It's such, and it is such a nuanced thing as well, isn't it? And, and, um, you know, one of the things I found is that as a CMO is we would, we would gate something like a Gartner um, report, for example. And then you realize that people are more interested in the report than they are in you. That's right. And, um, and you, you're collecting a lot of rubbish Gmail, um, Gmail. Which looks um, good on the graph that goes up into the yeah, right but you're getting zero engagement conversion yeah, so, you're having, but it makes you know not yeah, sales right exactly. And who wants to who wants the contact details of somebody who's not interested in you exactly. right? So you know, let's be honest about this stuff. And uh, uh, but um, but the trouble is, is the is the asset is expensive, so we have to put it behind the gate. Well, it's not actually providing any value, so maybe we should have you know. We're buying it for a different reason. So, I, this it's it's such a fascinating topic, and I, I would love to talk to you about it for the entire podcast one time because I think that um, it's a challenge a lot of people have, and I think a lot of people are taking a binary approach. It's like when my, my last CMO gig, I actually decided that I would ungate pretty much everything, and I, I wrote about it and put it on on LinkedIn. I got quite a strong response to that. Um, that some people quite angry about it. Um, and so it's, it's it's very divisive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I you know the 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 level of which social media gets angry about something <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. I mean, yeah. the fact that they got angry about it is tells yeah. me a lot. <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah. beyond that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is definitely yeah. a contentious issue. Yeah, I used to have a. I've, he's off social media completely now, but I used to have a troll. So somebody that would be regularly angry with uh, me. So <laughs> we all have our trolls. <laughs> yeah, but that, um, I, I I just love this topic. And um, have you written about it before? Uh, I have written about this before. Thank yeah. you very much. I think yeah, you've covered it in your podcast too, haven't you? I've heard a little about bit about it. it on the podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, I've recently written about it on uh, Content Marketing Institute's website. Yeah, where that's I wrote right. a post called "Your Your Audience, Your Marketing Database is Not Your Audience." And that's right. And, and you had seen uh, it. Yeah, it's a it's it's a hot topic for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd recommend anybody go by CMI and go look for that. Um, and if they were looking for you, Robert, rather than the article on CMI? Oh, you're very kind. Um, you can find me on the socials. Um, mm-hmm. where you can get me at uh, Robert underscore Rose on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Do a search on LinkedIn. I wish LinkedIn would figure out a way to do this better. Um, mm-hmm. 
that uh, you can just find people. But if you just do a search, you'll find me. Um, you know, otherwise it's the slash in slash, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, I think, and the website is contentadvisory.net. Of course it is. I'm sorry. And, and I think we could do another episode of what LinkedIn could do right as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's splendid. Thank you very much, Robert. And um, I'll see you again next week. Yes, absolutely. I'll see you in the bar. Thank you, Robert. Bye-bye. Thank you, Robert. As we referred to in the conversation, you can find Robert at The Content Advisory, links to his fabulous podcast on the Content Marketing Institute's website, or search Robert Rose. I will, of course, include links to all of that in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. All right, then, that's it. The end of episode 19. And thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and driving along with us. Thanks again to Robert, to Emily for being my guest, and to Richard Shotton for the interview last year, and to our wonderful Rockstar CMO contributing community. Also, thanks to John Andrews, CEO of Photify, who introduced me to Emily after he was interviewed by her on her podcast, which you can find on her website. But most of all, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked my guests, please give them a mention. Click their links, take a look at their work, all that good stuff. I really appreciate their time. And if you have any feedback for me, you can find our little crew at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. Next week, I'm again abusing my position as a podcast host and just chatting to someone I'd like to know better, Caroline Kay. She's a business and success coach, but most of all, a bit of a business development guru, having led growth for a number of London agencies. And I'm hoping to share with you some insight from agency land and the other side of the sales and marketing development. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding and editor of Rockstar CMO, and I hope you'll join us again next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.